0: Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network.
1: Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk. Our podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, a leading ABA provider serving families across the country. I'm your host, Katherine Johnson. Parents of children and teens with autism, like parents of neurotypical kids, wonder what their child's life will look like as they grow into adulthood. We all know there really aren't enough options yet for young adults with autism. But today we want to shine a light on one organization that's using creativity and community to create job opportunities and enriching life experiences for young adults on the spectrum. My guest is Heather Tarkson, the executive director of Urban Autism Solutions. Urban Autism Solutions is a nonprofit program in West Chicago that has several residences, a transition academy, and runs a working produce farm right in the center of the city. I find their model absolutely brilliant. And I hope you're inspired by listening to Heather describe the services they offer. Heather Tarzan. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited about hearing about this program, Urban Autism Solutions. I know it's based in West Chicago, and it's a really unique program for young autistic adults that blends residential, vocational, and social programs. And I Can't wait to hear all of the details about this amazing program. Um, But if you don't mind, could we just start with how the foundation got its start? Absolutely. So
0: almost 10 years ago, our founders, Julie and Michael Tracy, were looking for solutions for their own son, John, who is a young man that has autism. And I should preface this by saying that John has also given us permission to speak about him and about his story. Wonderful. Uh, Yeah. So John was going through some mental health challenges uh, coupled with his autism. And Julie and Mike knew that him coming home and living with them and being together again, um, just wasn't going to be an option. It wasn't going to work. And they had a lot of foresight and and vision. And what they decided to do was go around the country and look at different places, best practices, ideas, and, and try to see, you know, was there a place out there that John could potentially become a part of? And through their research and through their different tours and visits, they found that um, there wasn't any one place that met what it was that they were looking for. And they narrowed down three components, and that was uh, residential, social, and vocational programming. And from that, at the time, the Julie and Michael Tracy Family Foundation was born, um, they knew that this was something that they wanted to pay forward to the community as well. It wasn't just going to be for John. It was going to be for others also. And uh, nearly 10 years ago, um, the Julia Michael Tracy Family Foundation, which six years ago, we changed to Urban Autism Solutions, uh, was born. And um, from that, um, again, through some some really hard work, a lot of vision and um, also through some very strategic planning on Julie's part, she was able to identify a very relevant neighborhood here in Chicago in uh, what's called a Little Italy neighborhood. And it's located next to the University of Illinois, Chicago. It's right down the street from Rush University Medical Center. And aside from having our hospital relationships that we use for our residential clients, it's also a model that helps us bring in um, students who are able to serve as part-time staff members. So we're located in this very relevant neighborhood that also has a lot of young adults and also a lot of very charismatic neighbors that have lived here for for decades. And um, we're located very close to public transportation, which of course is huge in Chicago, but we're also located right off of the highway. So, within two or three blocks of where we're located, either at the highway or you're on a bus, uh, we're less than two miles from central downtown. And that's what really started our impetus for building our community. We were able to find a house that is converted into an autism friendly space. Uh, We have four private uh, clients that live there. Um, Everybody has their own bedrooms. Uh, There's two people that share a bathroom. The first floor is really used as community space. Um, There's a tiny basement office and uh, the rest of it is bedrooms. Um, So from building that foundation, We have since, over the years, continued to build out the organization and the programs.
1: You know, as as you were saying, you know, those those three pieces that they were looking for, residential, vocational, and social, um, and I know that your age group is sort of like late teens or, you know, 20s and 30s, young adults, uh, it, it strikes me that all of those things individually are often hard to find in a community. And it seems almost too good to be true that you would you know that, that there are some families that have all three of those elements wrapped up in one program. Um, and I'm wondering with those three elements, are they um, do they have the same staff? Do staff go between them? Are they sort of siloed? How do they work together?
0: It's a great question. Um, the um, the staff is, uh, is different staff. Um, every day, one of the big things that we focus on is our person centered programming and, um, um, work that we do with each of our clients. We're a very, very small residential community. Uh, we have seven young adults that live in this community. Um, one female, the rest are, are male and, um, they're, each client has their own schedule for the day. And your schedule might look different than mine, mine will look different than my neighbors. Um, But everybody has different um, things that they're doing and goals that they're working towards accomplishing, whether it's employment, volunteering, um, work in the community, um, uh, doctor's appointments, behavioral therapy, all of those different parts and pieces, um, recreation, fun times. We try to do a lot of fun things that any other 20 some year old living in the city of Chicago would want to take advantage of and be a part of, um, particularly in the summertime. Um, But the staff is um, they're they're full time staff folks that might rotate with the clients or might um, always be a person that is um, a staff person that's always assigned to um, meal planning and preparation. Um, But the clients will rotate on who's helping our residential coordinator actually put together a meal or help chop up the vegetables for the beef stew or whatever it is they're making that night. Um, Every evening, uh, five days a week, there's a community dinner um, that our residents help our residential coordinator prepare uh, during the day, uh, lunch and breakfast are pretty much on your own. Um, but we, we come together a lot as, as a community to, um, just talk about things, try to identify potential hiccups or concerns somebody might have with their schedule or a doctor appointment or whatnot. And, um, these folks work very, very closely with our staff, um, that is, uh, trained DSPs. And it's been an incredible asset of our program to have such qualified, really dedicated staff people who, very frankly, don't make a ton of money doing this kind of work,
1: but are, are really the best of the best. I love that you just started talking about like the, per- the person-centered planning that you just brought up. Um, and I'm wondering how you incorporate choice and preference and self-advocacy and all of those things into your various programs. Absolutely. The uh, clients themselves,
0: everybody has goals. So maybe there's a fitness goal. Maybe there's a learn how to cook goal. Maybe there's a
1: um, goal for employment and And did they help Um, you? Are they included in in their own goal setting? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: As are the parents. Um, So we're fortunate right now that um, parents are involved with their uh, young adult and uh, they come together at least once a year to go over the plan. And what does the next plan for the next year look like? What goals were we able to Uh, obtained in in that current year. Um, But the client is very, very much at the table with that process. Um, You know, perhaps we would suggest um, finding a job at company X, but the candidate really, really wants company Y. Well, we're going to do everything we can to get them in company Y. um, And and really try to make sure that, that that goal is is obtained. And largely we're very successful in that. Um, but um, it, it has to be something that we know we can take on and help that client to master. So if somebody wants to, you know, fly an airplane, um we can help make sure that they're getting to the lessons and doing all of those sorts of things, but it is, it's all about choice and advocating for themselves. And there's plenty of times where um, our clients, you know, learn um, to speak up, like they don't wanna do something in particular or they'll do something, but they really wanna do something else. And we encourage like those kind of discussions and dialogue um, so that they are advocating for themselves and what their interests might be.
1: I love that. And I love, too, that you have this Growing Solutions Farm. I would like to hear more about that. So Growing Solutions Farm is
0: uh, one of my favorite programs. Uh, Julie Tracy, who founded the organization, is a speech and language pathologist. But she also had some agriculture experience in the suburbs of, of Chicago. Um, and started the first 4-H club in uh, a neighborhood that she was from called Glenview. And uh, it was through that, that Julie really realized um, the work hardening. You're coming to a farm and it's really a level playing field. We're in the middle of the city of Chicago. There's not a lot of farms. There's not a lot of urban farms. And 10 years ago, there were certainly, it was very, very rare. And What her intention was and what we've uh, been able to continue to manage is bringing people to kind of this even playing field. They're working outside in the sunshine. It's hot. Maybe it's a little colder. Maybe it's rainy. Um, It's a lot of work hardening, but it's also... Um, building up on different skills that the client is learning. So they start off in groups and kind of graduate to different levels of independence. And what's so unique about this program as well is that the West Side high schools that we are predominantly working with, which are extremely low income and very violent ridden neighborhoods of Chicago. We're bringing these uh, young adults in that are in transition programs from their high schools, and they're working alongside their teachers and their paraprofessionals and their teaching aides, and um, they're seeing their teachers sweat and, you know, have to lift heavy things and move wheel- barrels and learn how to balance and kind of coordinate Um So it it, again is kind of creates like this level playing field. Um, What's also so special about the farm is that it's in an enclosed area in the Illinois Medical District, and it is a perfect place for people who typically are not able to get outside and enjoy the outdoor environment safely. And these kids can come here and explore the entire 1.2 1.2 acre farm, um, there's tons of work to do at all times, and they're learning like construction, landscaping, when to harvest, customer service, because we do have an onsite farm stand. Um, and a CSA program. So the students have to learn how to interact with the public and we'll work with some students who feel confident in um, speaking to the public or with their communication skills to give tours and provide tours for our community. Um, But it's, it's a wonderful program that just, I cannot speak enough of. I mean, you're getting your hands dirty, you're off electronic devices, Uh, We have a shaded tent area where the kids will have some instruction or some food tasting experiences. Um, Fresh produce is a rarity in some of the neighborhoods. And it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to try new things, even if they don't really like them. Um, But it's fun to show them that instead of the bag of chips, let's learn how to make some really easy salsa. Let's squish those tomatoes and do things that are very tactile. Uh, Our farm is very autism friendly with the spaces and even the noise. Um, We have battery operated lawnmowers, so it's much quieter than a typical lawnmower. We um, yeah, we added this year. uh, uh, Thanks to the Windy City Alliance Club, we were able to actually add a sensory garden where we're encouraging people to literally stop and smell the flowers um, to touch them. to kind of feel them. So it's it's a really cool spot.
1: I was going to ask you how big it is. So 1.2 acres in the middle of the city of Chicago. Yes. In the middle of the city of Chicago. It's absolutely incredible. Was it a farm before you all took it over or did you, what, what was the space there before? The Illinois
0: medical district, Catherine is a um, body of land that has about 500 acres that they control. And on that, Body of land. There's four different hospitals. There's a number of different healthcare facilities. Um, There's some nonprofit organizations. And the parcel of land that we were on um, was just vacant land. It was uh, unusable land per developers because it's a little rocky. There's some water flow grading issues that would all have to be um, mitigated in order to really develop the parcel. So it's probably not worth it at the end of the day to invest all of that money literally in the ground so um, i actually met julie tracy um, about eight years ago when she was first starting the farm i had worked at the medical district and um, my supervisor warren ribley um, had a meeting with julie and mike tracy they said they wanted to start this farm did we have any land that they could use and try this And um, that's when we first became acquainted. From that, uh, Warren was able to identify this this parcel of land that was partially enclosed on a street that didn't have a ton of traffic and said, you know, you can use this. We can't guarantee that nobody's going to steal your tomatoes, but you, you can use it. Um, So fast forward, you know, eight or nine years and the parcel of land grew from earth boxes that you buy at a home improvement store. And we had about 50 of those, maybe 80 of those um, to now a full fledged working produce farm that has a full time farmer on our payroll. And uh, we produce thousands of pounds of food every year. We donate 20 percent of it to uh, back to the West Side communities where our students are from. Uh, It's donated to food pantries. And then um, all of our students, uh, because about 95 percent of them come from low income households, they work on the farm and they're able to take home a bag or two or however many they want of of fresh produce every week. So it's kind of giving right back to the community that. We're drawing our our students from um, giving them great exposure on learning some transferable job skills and um, being able to also show how important it is to give back to others. And we're we're trying to instill that in our students as well.
1: I just is astounding to me to, you know, to think of the creativity that it takes for someone to look at, you know, a a parcel of land in the middle of a medical center and say, hey, I know what goes here. A farm.
0: I love it so much. Right. I know me too. It it just is one of those those things that was just serendipitous. Um, There was no rhyme or reason for it. There was no Farm there or nearby, or, you know, it's just kind of this nebulous idea. And, um, you know, we had wonderful partners that helped us and get off the ground. Um, Easter seals was part of our program early on, as were. Um, uh, one of our high schools from the west side and then our own residents participated in it. And many of them participated in it for four or five, six years um, before they kind of, you know, felt like they outgrew it and demonstrated their self-advocacy by saying, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of done sweating in the sunshine and and Mm -hmm. picking,
1: you know, um, uh, kale leaves. Um, but we it's found- so good for them to be outside and learning work skills. So you've got you've got folks who are learning, you know, those sort of like manual work skills and gardening skills and, you know, soil cultivation, and then you've got the farm store. Any yeah. works, any plans in the works for animals, chickens or <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny, We goats. get asked a lot. Yeah, it would be so fine um, to be able to have those kind of animals. We don't have any plans. Um, the medical district does have an ordinance against livestock or, or animals. Um, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, and also just to practice our good agricultural practices. We don't allow dogs on the farm and things like that. We try to keep it as um clean as as possible it's all natural organic vegetables that are grown um, but it would be a lot of fun to have some goats and chickens Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so I I gather that from the way you've been talking about this it's not just these seven uh, young adults who are living in the residences who are working on the farm you're bringing in people from the Chicago public schools is that right that's right. We work with um, a number of West
0: Side Chicago Public High School students who are in transition programs. And in the state of Illinois, they can stay in high school until their um, 22nd birthday. So the year that their school year ends and they turn 22, they can stay in, in high school. And um, we are specifically working with this demographic because there's schools and students that are very disadvantaged compared to other neighborhoods that are just a couple miles away from them um, that have speech and language therapists that have social workers and when we first started the farm and when i first joined the organization our intent was to try to capture as many students as we could before they graduated from high school and place them into employment and we had a very naive view of how easy that would be and how just it would just happen. Um, And we found that it was anything but. Um, Our students, while they might have developed some work skills and demonstrated some, um, you know, great transferable skills by showing up to work on time and showing up to work in uniform, where we were still having some missing pieces and what we really wanted to bridge was um, the clinical services that the students are not getting in school, Um, the speech and language, the social work by providing some social emotional learning, Um, just practicing going into the community and learning how to behave or how does one um, behave during a break at work. Uh, Years ago, we had a student who was working at a big box store Um, The student was told you can go on break between 10 and 2. Well, the student left for four hours, not understanding that it didn't mean you can take your 15 minute break Mm -hmm. between 10 and 2. He just thought he was supposed to leave during that time. So really trying to drill down and um, um, really trying to organize in a very methodical way what all happens and the timing of it. And in the fall of 2019, we decided to do what no other organization um, around here has done. And we kind of put a flag in the ground, took a chance and uh, went into a building where I'm coming to you from today that used to be a Montessori school. We took over. Two quote unquote classroom spaces that we decided we were going to use, and we were going to work with um, young adults on providing those clinical services. At the time, we had um, two high schools that were with us, we had about 25 Westside students. Within four months, we expanded to five high schools and 75 students and ended up taking over 7000 square feet of space in this building and found that there was such a need for these services and for um helping these young adults kind of connect the dots to really put them in a position where they could transfer from the last day of high school into their adult lives And from that, particularly in the last year, despite the pandemic, we've been successful in placing these young adults into jobs uh, as well as um, being able to really connect with them, drill down, identify other needs or resources that they might need that, again, the schools can't provide that. Maybe the families can't provide but we can connect them to and help them in a very holistic approach.
1: Now, does the Chicago Public Schools fund this program or help fund this program? They do not.
0: Uh, all of our programming from the farm to what we call the UAS West Side Transition Academy is all funded through grant funding and private donations. So we try to do as much fundraising as we can and have been very fortunate to have some very generous partners.
1: So what's next for Urban Autism Solutions? You seem to have, you you seem to be doing a whole lot. Are there, um, what what are your future plans? Future wise, we
0: would love to see our academy program, which is the farm is under that umbrella of the academy. We would love to see that program double. And we did find uh, during the pandemic that we could successfully interact with some students that were a much further distance and purposes of the pandemic because of the shutdowns. Um, We can interact with students on Zoom and still give them meaningful experiences. So if they're in a location that's much further away that doesn't make sense for them to have to travel to, because all of our students join us via public transportation. There are no school buses that bring them here. So it can be a journey. We, Um, yeah, yeah. We want to um, be able to continue to try to reach more students. And we can do that with additional funding through um, hiring additional staff and different um, clinical folks that can join this team. Um, But of course, our preference is to do it in person. Um, I think that this is a program that is very um, easy to replicate and to put into other major cities that are near universities and public transportation. That's really been the key to our success, and um, it would be amazing to have this in cities like you know Atlanta or dallas Worth or Cleveland, um, where there are some robust hospital, healthcare, university systems connected to um, public transportation.
1: We need you in Boston. We would love to be in Boston. I love Boston. This is such an incredible program. And I know that our listeners are going to be so excited to hear about it. And also, they're probably going to wonder what they can do to help. Um, What can the general public do to help Urban Autism Solutions? There's two ways
0: that um, the general public could really help us. And one of them, no matter where um, that person might live across the country or around the world is helping to connect us to uh, others, whether it's businesses that are looking for entry level uh, candidates or if it's through word of mouth, like, hey, I heard about this organization and connecting us to, um, you know, of course, potential funders, but also potential clients. Um, Also, if there's anybody that um, You know wants to learn about replicating this program there's there's I know there's opportunities to do that as well, and then, of course, it's always fundraising so as nonprofits work we're always looking to fundraise and to um, continue to grow in service additional uh, young people.
1: Well, I know that this is a hot topic across the country, how to best service all of these folks with autism who are you know, reaching adulthood and how to best provide them with all the supports that they um, deserve for a meaningful life. So I hope your phone is ringing off the hook with, with people who would like to replicate this program in other cities. Absolutely. Oh, I do too. Thanks, Catherine. (laughs) Well, it was lovely to chat with you, Heather Tarxan. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Coming out of my conversation with Heather, I'm so impressed by the vision that brought this incredible program into being. They've created a place where young autistic adults can live, work, and socialize with the individualized supports they need to not just survive, but to thrive. They've been working on and refining this model for a decade, and I truly hope some of our listeners will take Heather up on her generous offer to assist them in replication sites in other cities. Also, if you're an employer in Chicago that wants to work with Urban Autism Solutions, Heather's contact information is in our show notes. You can listen to our other episodes on Apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. We always appreciate your reviews and ratings if you're so inclined. And if you have show ideas or a question for us, email us at at learnbehavioral.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook at, at Autism Therapies. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.